1: Download the Viator app now and use code VIATOR10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Okay, now we're making another tape, January 23rd in the great year 1977, Sophia. And what we're here to do is we're going to let Sophia Coppola who is standing here, who How old are you, Sophia? You're five years old, Mm -hmm. and and Sophia's going to talk a little bit. Now, Sophia, you know who I want you to talk to? I want you to talk to a make-believe person, can you?
3: Who's the make-believe person? Her
2: name is Sophia, and she's a big lady now. She's a grown-up lady. And so you talk to the grown-up lady. You talk to you when when you're a big lady, okay? Okay. Go
3: ahead. Hello.
4: Francis Ford Coppola, recording his daughter, Sophia Coppola, in 1977
3: you know and I swim in the water and I have two brothers that are fishies one is named Jim one is named Roman and my name is Sophia and um, my my cousins are fishies too and one of my cousins are named Nicky and one is named Christopher and one is named Mark and one is named Matthew and there's another Matthew in our family so
2: what do you think you're going to be like when you're a big girl
3: well, I can make believe what I want to be like.
2: Tell me what you want to be like.
3: Well, I want... Bye,
2: you guys. To One second. We'll wait for Mommy. Say hello. This is uh, recording for Posterity where uh, Sophia is telling herself grown up what she wants to be like.
5: Oh, terrific. Well, I want to hear that tape when you're finished. That's
3: great. Well, you're terrific. At five and a half, you're super, superwoman. I am Sophia, and when I grow up, I want to... Be middle size, not sad and not skinny. And I wanna be a teacher. Or maybe I might be a nurse. And um I like being Sophia because there's a lot of fun things that I know how to do. And my daddy just tickled me with his little nose. <laughs>
2: I want to tell Sophia something when okay. you uh recently when we were making apocalypse now we were in the Philippines, right? right and Sophia learned how to do some things, and I want you to do something for me Well so first, I want you to sing the Philippine national anthem go. <speaking Spanish>
3: Today my daddy gave me an Oscar necklace.
2: Were you happy when I gave it to you? Mm -hmm. Are you going to try not to lose it so when you're a big big girl you can keep it? This Oscar is for, let's see what it says, it says for The Godfather, 1972. So that must have been for the script of The Godfather. Okay, you want to say goodbye to yourself and you'll, say, and you'll talk some more, some well, other time? Say, say goodbye, Sophia, I'll talk to you again some other time.
3: Goodbye, I'm gonna go to bed now, cause I'm so sleepy. Today,
4: lost and found sound. Home recordings, people recording their friends, neighbors, strangers, for a look at how we live and who we are by listening closely. Lost and Found Sound is the work of two women in California, Nikki Silva and Davia Nelson, also known as the Kitchen Sisters. No one makes radio like the Kitchen Sisters. As Tom Waits put it, Lost and Found Sound is beyond description. Davia Nelson once said, There's something about sound, just in the atmosphere, the intangibility of it, and the imagination of it, the long stuff, and stuff that lets you travel in your mind. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love.
6: Oral history is what first brought the Kitchen Sisters together.
4: Here's Nikki Silva.
6: We've spent our first few years working together, roaming our region, interviewing ranchers and fishermen and rodeo riders, beauty pageant contestants, surfers, Italian grandmothers. The first time Davy and I headed out to do an oral history together, it was a disaster. We kept dropping the mic, fumbling with the 20-foot cord. I have no idea why we thought we needed a 20-foot cord. It was painful. So oral history, it's still the way we work, interviewing people for hours and hours. And we're always on the hunt for oral histories that other people have done, others possessed by the need to capture history and life through sound. That brings us to Eddie McCoy of Oxford, North Carolina, a tobacco town of some 10,000 people located 50 miles north of Raleigh. Eddie began recording the life and lore of his town on a scavenged cassette recorder. A self-made historian, Eddie records the who, what, when, where, and why, and so much more of his hometown. Today's story produced with Lita Hartman, A Man Tapes His Town, The Unrelenting Oral Histories of Eddie McCoy.
3: Let me
7: ask you a question. Why did it? Why did Oxford grow? What happened over there? You know, why did they? Why did people come to Oxford? I, you know, I want to know about what took place. I'm curious. Why? Why did they? Grow? I'm nosy. What happened over there? That's what all history in interviews is. So you got Your mind got to go to work. You got. You know what you want, but you got to figure out how to get it. <laughs> you ask one thing, they come out with another thing. You got to come back with another thing. A little surprises. It's fascinating what they'll tell you. You don't ever know what's going to hit you. A lady told me, she said, I know a man that's 110 and that ride a bicycle. I said, go talk to him. And I said, okay. I am Eddie McCoy this morning. I'm out in Mr. Harris. Mr. Harris. Mm-hmm. I'm out in Mr. Harris. What's your first name, Mr. Harris? Matt Harris. I'm out in Mr. Matt Harris. Mr. Matt Harris, how old are you? 110 years old. 110 years old? Do you know what what year or what month you was born in? I'm James Adam McCoy. I've been messing with this stuff ever since 1979. I've interviewed over 140 people. I've got over 100, about 150 tapes. What I want you to tell me this morning is, tell me about the history of your life, and we're going to talk about the history of Oxford and what you remember oh. and the changes. And tell me if we can start with you and your brother and your father. Oh, i
2: hope put the first concrete in us. You put the first concrete. concrete in Oxford. Where was this at? I said, I put
7: the first concrete in Oxford. The first concrete? Yeah. Uh-huh. I was born uh, you know in, in Grandma County, in Oxford, April the 1st, 1942. Oxford was a, a quiet community. Wasn't anything exciting here. Just train come by twice a day. Practically everybody lived in shotgun houses. No paint on them. A dirt yard, got old rugs on the floor, linoleums. You can pull up the linoleum and got cracks in the floors. You can feed the chickens and punch food through the floor. It's hot as the devil in the summertime and cold as the devil in the wintertime. Today, Mrs. Davis and I will be talking about this era she was raised up in. I was born in Granville County right over the year of 1906. We got life in this area. Nineteen hundred and forty-seven. Oh, uh, okay. Cause in Oxford, on another side, it was nineteen fifty. Yeah, we got nineteen and forty-seven. George it all of us on this room Good life. Let me ask you, what happened when you got the washing machine? No, Lord, that was the best time me that. <laughs> <laughs> Long down, oh, well. And got rid of all that blue in the water.
8: My name is David Saselski. I'm a historian at the Southern Oral History Program at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And that's how I stumbled onto Eddie McCoy's work.
7: What about coin shuckers and stuff like that? Oh, no, that was a good
8: time. He's interviewed the janitors and the African American teachers and the railroad workers and the tenant farmers and sharecroppers, the black physicians, just anybody and everybody.
9: Oh, everybody come here to come around, and Mama would cook their best food and never see so much
7: food. Now, I want you to explain to young people that will be listening to your work.
8: Here at the Southern hey, Oral yeah. History Program, we have, I think, the largest collection in the South. It's incredibly diverse, done by hundreds of interviewers. But Eddie's is distinctive in a way that I've never seen before. And in my eyes, it had to do with kind of who Eddie is and what he brings to it.
7: Well, you're a school teacher. Tell me why we can't do it now. You've been
8: around. I just don't know. I was
7: in a wreck. I messed up all my muscles and nerves and my back and neck, and I couldn't do anything. And um, I lost a lot of my business and everything, janitorial business, 35 people working for me. I couldn't take that. Could you imagine that? I've been doing that all my life. I went, The doctor referred me to a psychiatrist, and he asked me, what could I do? And I told him, I couldn't do nothing. He said, can you use your head? I said, no, I can't use my head. What if I use my head? Probably never use my head. I always use my hands. What you do part time? You ever done anything? Use your head? I said, I mess around with books. I mess around with research. i done stuff like that, bummed around with it. He said, why don't you do it? I started going to the library. I joined a genealogy class and started working from there. May the 1st, 1995. June. I'm James Adam McCoy. Time is 6 o'clock. A visit with Mrs. Lucy Jones, 520 Hancock Street. What year was you born?
10: 1915, June 14. I ain't never been able once in my life. Oh, yeah. One time. That's good. I hurt nobody's feeling. If I can't help you, I don't hurt
7: you. Me too. <laughs>
10: lot of people. Did you know there's a lot of white people in town that will mistreat you and don't mean it? Did you know?
8: Uh-uh.
7: And don't mean it?
10: Yeah. What? They have to do it to stay white.
7: Oh, okay. Yeah, I got something like yeah. that.
10: See?
7: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. When I started messing with yeah. research, I thought you had to have a master's degree, a doctor's degree, a finished college. I did. I came up in the street. If you come up in the street, you learn all walks of people, how they tick.
8: Eddie served in the army. He learned how to fight. He hung out at the uh, Soul Food Cafe, which was the, that was kind of the hangout for the civil rights movement in Oxford. This is not the background that most of the historians out there listening to the forgotten voices of the South have.
7: It's like fortune teller. Listen to stories that people tell you what they did. That's all fortune teller is. It's putting together, it's kind of using skills, it's reading people. Okay, what's your and, name? Tell me your name first. My name is Novella. Now, my daddy, he was a baby, he said. His daddy went and cut his. Hanging because he didn't want to be sold. Where? Cut his hand off, keep him being sold. That was, that was slavery time. I'm telling you. He, and he didn't die. No. They stopped the bleed. He was sold. His daddy was sold. When Eddie
8: McCoy calls, people sold. know exactly who they're talking to, and they're going to talk to Eddie like they won't talk to anybody else. They also know what he did in the civil rights movement. They've at least heard tell of it.
10: Fresh memories to me. You is one of us. Did you know
8: it? I've been around. Yeah.
10: You is one of us.
7: Yeah, I've been around this family a long
10: time.
8: <laughs> Eddie was a leader in the civil rights movement in Oxford. And, and I'm not talking about just nice, peaceful marches down through the streets of Oxford. I mean, he did those things too in sit ins. It was a, a very violent civil rights movement that they had in Oxford. A lot of Klan, a lot of white terrorism. The African-American people in Oxford did not just sit down and, and take that.
7: When well, the community roused up and they start burning the town down. It was tough right here for about two or three months. I don't care what nobody said. You got to have violence. Martin Luther King was fine. I wouldn't have followed him nowhere. Anything threatening your livelihood, you're going to react. You got to show them. They're from Missouri. That's the way you get their attention. In the civil rights movement, you got to hit them.
8: Eddie came through all that, he becomes a successful businessman, city councilor, first African American elected to the county commission in Granville County. Eddie got some college, but by and large, he's really a completely self-trained historian.
2: You know how to call Brown's
7: corner. No, where's Brown Corner is?
2: One of the oldest buildings in town, all I can tell you. He's called place how to call, the I'd call Brown's corner.
7: Was that where all the blacks used to hang out at that's and talk? Right, right. Brown's Corner. Right. And that's where everybody used to stand. That's right. And people still stand there now. The the and the well was right in the center of the street. That's, that's right. where the horse whale well was.
3: Right.
7: Oh, y'all had a good time on that corner, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> all these books I've been through the library and done research on the whole county, all the churches in the county. I went through them, tried to pick, get all the books. All these boxes here is research out of county government buildings, city gov, city buildings, and all that. This box here. It's contained. Everybody went to jail from about 1953 up to 1960. I wish I could get the book before that. Everybody went downtown to jail. I tried to look for my parents' families um, before I got into this. And I would go to Virginia, go down to Morris County, North Carolina, and look around, look around, look around. And I just couldn't ever get anywhere. My father was an orphanage boy here in town. My mother was adopted, and she don't know anything about her family. She was hauling around with different people. People in my genealogy class said that's why I um, got so interested in researchers because I couldn't do anything with my family. I wanted to probe, and
3: uh,
7: I um, started doing it other people. And I didn't pick families. I do the history of Granville County. So that gave me an avenue into everybody's family. Ms. Harris, what was the farm and plantation you and you, you was born on? Cheetah. Tom Cheetah. Tom Cheetah. Uh-huh. How old are you, Miss Harris? I am 89 years old. 89? 89. 89. I don't tell you about my age because it's none of our business. Oh, I won't reveal it's it. All right, all right, then. I was born 18 and 92. The women had those white babies. They could not help themselves because the master made them do it. But you don't have to put that down. There. When the black women had the babies for the white men. Yeah, don't you put that down, man. I, I, I won't know. That's not fair
8: to me. Imagine Oxford and Granville County as a place where it's poor. Know. It's a lot of small communities that, that are withering away. The young people, particularly young African American people, can't stay. They're moving off to cities. And here, um, Eddie McCoy, who's lived in town all his life, is coming and cares about what they lived through, cares enough to sit down and, and visit.
2: I said, think, I said, now what is I'm doing to live the long and average man? What have I did to do that?
7: If you collect your information now and your resources now and put it away in 50 or 30 years, somebody's gonna come back and want this stuff. And then that's what to big Collect your stuff now. That's what happened with, with slavery. We waited too late to get the best part of it. Huh? <laughs> Now, where are
2: you taking all this mess for? We're
7: having fun talking about the old days, yeah, you know, and I. That isn't true. I hadn't thought of it like that. Raining, we ain't got nothing else to do but I settle roll roll around and talk about what... what we lost our history. Future. They want to really talk about the future. future. How can you go to the future, future without the past? That's wait. why I want to do it. Don't wait too late.
2: Everything seemed like a dream to me. hmm
3: It's
7: been so long. Uh-huh. Did you always go to church?
9: Don What I do now <laughs> um Patty
5: Smith and Judy Lynn Well I'm Judy Lynn. I'm a photographer. I've just published this book Photographs of Patty Smith 1969 to 1976. Jesus died for somebody's sins but not mine. Patty and I met because we were both in Brooklyn. We met through our boyfriends, Peter Barnowski and Robert Maplethorpe. We went to Patty and Robert's apartment. Patty was in the kitchen cooking spaghetti sauce, and she didn't really talk to us. And Robert showed us drawings he had done. He'd been at Coney Island that day, and he'd taken off this kind of huge piece of skin from his sunburn. He was going to use it in a drawing. We were all admiring this huge piece of skin that he'd peeled off. <coughs>
9: Is it okay if I take my shoes and socks off? It'll be real neat. Then I can show you the ankle bracelet I got on that says Brian Jones, and i always wear it.
5: I found a cassette Patty and I made in 1969. We were making an 8mm movie in my tenement apartment in Brooklyn, and unfortunately I lost the movie, but I did somehow save this tape she made.
9: All right, what do you want me to do? Look at me. Turn around and go back and look at the wall again. Oh, okay. Are these clothes okay? I mean, do do you want me to put anything special on or ugly on?
5: I graduated from art school in 1969 and the idea of getting out of school had never dawned on me, so I was completely lost.
9: <sighs> yeah. You really study with it.
5: I began photographing Patty Smith because I was taking photographs of everything. And when Patty and I would get together, we would take photographs.
11: Lay, 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 lay. Lay across
5: my big rails, I remember the first time we heard Bob Dylan sing Lay Lady Lay on the radio, we held hands and screamed. Lay, lady, lady. And I had never done that before with anybody. Rails, Somehow with Patty, Lay, you could be that enthusiastic and silly about something. Okay, um, like the reason like my foot's
9: moving like that's because Mick Jagger's on. <laughs> My name is Patty Smith, and I was born December thirtieth in Chicago, Illinois, and um, I was born six oh four in the morning. Um, people like I hold tribute to. I was like um, Sonia Henney. I used to like De Koonin. I still like. I still like Sag Harbor woman. Most of all, I like the Rolling Stones. I'm sorry, Brian Jones died. Um,
5: is it okay to come down? These were photographs in my apartment on Myrtle Avenue. Patty kind of did the set decoration. On the wall are Patty's shoe and sock, a saw, her scarf.
9: Doesn't my shoe and sock look neat hanging up there?
5: She's wearing black underpants, a flesh-colored brazier, some string wrapped around her ankle and string wrapped around her wrist. I really felt like I was shooting for fashion magazines, but I never would have had the guts to show them to anyone.
9: put the radio on again.
5: The first times I went to Patty's apartment, she had these little kind of pink acrobat pants and she put on the pants and we were taking pictures and she took her shirt off. It wasn't a big deal. I really think she kind of knew what a more interesting photograph was than I did. The picture on page 7 is of Patty's knees in black tights. Just thought she had such great-looking knees. The photographs with Sam Shepard came about because Patty called me up and she said, I want you to come take pictures of Sam and me. I think it was a really important relationship, and I think she knew it wasn't going to last. It was really kind of a fleeting moment. He was barefoot. We walked from 23rd Street down to Greenwich Village. She would lie down on the street. He would pick her up. I mean, they were so enraptured with each other. I just don't know what to do tonight
9: My head is aching I like this because, like, um, we both, like, appreciate minimal movement. I'm going to step on this because my feet are getting cold. The feet are getting cold.
5: I like the picture of Patty putting the eyeliner on. It's like she's sticking a pencil in her eye, and I like the idea like, drawing with your eye. It's kind of being looked at and seeing at the same time. You know, that's like, I didn't zoom in on it, you know? These were photographs for the Radio Ethiopia album cover. She had convinced the young Getty heir to buy her this walkie-talkie, and she said she needed it to be on the record cover. I think we were trying to do kind of a film noir, you know, like the police are outside, the guy in the raincoat in the rain is out there watching you hanging out under the streetlight. We both really enjoyed movies. One time we went to see Jacques Rivette's La Religieuse with Anna Karina as a nun and we acted out the movie in the bathroom in the movie theater. I mean we didn't even get home to do it.
9: Yeah, you, know, you know like I don't like about the new filmmakers. It's like they love like total chaos. Like the the, the neatest section of the whole film was when like This guy, Jean-Paul Le Luc, or something like that, Jean-Claude, had to look real bored while I was like, taking off my blouse. I did it really angular, you know. It was like, so beautiful, and the guy forgot to put the film in the camera. You know, it was just lost.
5: I think that We Could Do This was really about being kids, and playing dress-up, and playing, oh, look, I can be a princess, oh, look, I can be a Godard heroine. And by taking a photograph and isolating things, it could look like it was more than it actually was. We weren't really dreaming a future, we were dreaming a present.
9: I want to try one in color? Yeah. All these films will be like a story. <laughs> I'd love to be a rock and roll star. Huh? i genius to be a rock and roll star. I wonder what's happening with the tape recorder. <laughs> so,
5: are you recording
9: stuff? Yeah, I'm recording everything. Listening
5: in a river watching it rise tattoo fingers
8: shy away from me
1: embracing nature is more than just going for a walk now and then it's reconnecting with the elements it's harnessing the power of natural ingredients it's putting the earth first for over 50 years, Nature's Sunshine has been sharing the healing power of nature as they work towards a healthier planet. Their manufacturing facility is 100% powered by sunlight, and they divert 95% of waste away from landfills. If you're looking for a sustainably made herbal supplement, you might want to check out Nature's Sunshine and their new power line. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order.
12: Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why Milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community-building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com.
4: We have one more piece of lost and found sound from the Kitchen Sisters to share with you. French manicure. Tales from Vietnamese Shops in America. bang
6: the hand. the foot.
9: Thanh tao nhã,
6: elegant. Good
11: morning, sweetie. This is a freshman class. Okay, that's the beginning of the school. I have to explain everybody how to use your tools, uh, what is the, the chemicals, and the creams, and the acetone, and I can explain the whole thing at this time. My name is Maria Elena Alvarado. We are in Hilltop Here School in Daly City at the top of the hill. Welcome to the world of the cosmetology, honey. You like code, darling, please. Your page is 419, who can define What I mean, the word is manicure. For Latin word, you're right. It's a manus and cure, the care of the hands and nails. The majority here is an immigrant. The majority. A lot of Vietnamese is in the school. They take a class for just for manicure. The Vietnamese, they have something in your hands. Don't tell me why. Every time they touch your hands, you can feel. Is something special in her hands?
6: The home.
9: Cảm giác.
6: The feeling.
9: Âm thanh.
6: The sound.
8: for the county
10: I left Vietnam in 1972. I, I listened the radio road. when I was in high school. I still in Vietnam that time. I lost a uh, U.S. troop during the Vietnam War. I really loved the song, you know, played by uh, Grant Campbell, Wichita Lineman, and uh, all the songs from G.B.G. from Beatles, Rolling Stone. I love. When I was young, I heard a song, you know, California Dream. I thought, wow, San Francisco, everybody wearing their flower in their hair. I make my wish. When I grow up, I like to come to the United States. I like to live in San Francisco. See, I can get flower on my hair. That's the California Dreaming, the song. But when I come here in 1979, oh, it is hard. I have no relative, just like a couple friends, they help me. I'm not able to be speaking very, very well. So every day when I'm driving, I put a tape in my radio so I'm listening. Fancy Nails in Berkeley. Oh, Lisa, this is me, Lisa. The owner of the fancy nail. Yeah, okay, so I will see you at 1.30. Thank you, bye-bye. When you come to the country here, the easy way to be getting, get a job, is going to the nail salon. That's why the population from Vietnam, they all do nail business. See, like, for example, boy, he's a car mechanic. When he immigrant to here, and then he don't know what did he do. And then he go to a beauty school to learn how to do manicure, because that's only required for three months in school. So he changed his career totally from a car mechanic to holding a woman's hand, and he's good all oh my girl, they still, you know, speaking their language most of the time. But I'm very fortunate that all my clients here, they understand they really don't mind when the girl not speaking English.
6: To polish. To shine. To pay cash.
11: You want a manicure pedicure? Okay.
2: Hi,
6: how are, how are you?
3: What do you need done today?
11: Feeling a pedicure. Feeling a pedicure. Oh, he only like French. Yeah. Oh. French is you paint the white color on the tips, and then you polish the pink over. That's what they call the French. You know. I don't know where they come up with that name.
10: Yeah, I think the French manicure it created in LA before I come to the business. Okay, can I ask my help? In France. They don't do French manicure. They don't. Too. Even I have a client from France. I ask her, do you know French manicure? Is it from your country? They have no idea. They don't know.
8: Many of our nail art techniques are connected to Vietnam. It's a highly pampering art, and it's, it's a very demanding discipline.
6: My name is Lynette Mano. I teach at Hilltop Beauty School.
8: Many of the best artists that we have in this area are connected to Vietnam. They're training because their mother has a salon, their sister has a salon, their aunt or their uncle, and it's been something that's just family-operated. and People recruit into it as they become old enough it's something that's promoted in those Vietnamese communities.
13: Goren Khi Smeering Service, trung tâm bảo hiểm du lịch theo
8: thuế do Cô Nguyễn Minh Tâm
0: phụ trách ...cuộc du lịch bằng đường biển.
6: The voyage.
9: Chiếc tàu, chiếc thuyền. The boat. Con gái.
6: The daughter.
14: I went to school for Medicare. I worked in this shop almost four years. I came here in 1983 just by myself. About 14. I escaped it by boat to Thailand, to uh Philippines and then came here. Supposed to be a whole family come together, but we separate two small boats, but some make it, some didn't make it get caught by the commuters. We separate. And I was wondering, I asked, where's my mom? Where's my mom? The owner said, she will be here, she will be here. Gone. Two days and two nights on the ocean. Nothing's in my stomach. A lot of people die on the ocean. The first month when I come here, I was in the general hospital. Sick, like homesick, strange, unhappy. By myself. Don't know where to go, don't know what to do. Like a dream, just like a story. Like you cannot imagine, you cannot think about it, but it happened.
3: I've thrown away my toys. I live with a foster parent. I
14: have my own room and the TV, she let me have it. Usually I watch a lot of Shirley Temple. I like Shirley Temple a lot. I watch a lot of her movie. She's happy. She's dancing top with, you know, a black guy. And she's a very pretty lady. The way she acts when she was a little girl, a lot of her movies I'm watching, she's very famous, yes.
3: On the gold ship, lollipop, it's sweet trip. When I
14: become U.S. citizen, I chance directly to Shirley Quinn. My Vietnamese name, Kalik is difficult to pronounce. Hang, H-A-N-G. So I changed to uh, surely. My life is changed. I should change my name too, because I live in the United
9: States.
8: In your guide to United States citizenship is the Declaration of Independence and the United States Constitution. Please read at your leisure these two documents in order to gain a greater understanding of how the United States became as great as it is today. Now please repeat after me the Star Spangled Banner. Oh say, can you see?
13: My name is uh, Lang Chung, and God, I am student in uh, Beauty College, Evergreen.
4: What so proudly
13: we <laughs> <healed>. <laughs> Vietnamese song usually uh, have a sad story the song uh, for a long time ago have a lot of meaning when somebody's singing you listen you feel too gonna have a story inside a song <cười> Our countries have a lot of people separated and say bye bye and goodbye forever. You know, so we know exactly how about somebody feeling. I moved in America. And, um, I and my two children and my mom. I still one daughter, 15 years in Vietnam, and I really don't want to leave my daughter. Every time I see a and my feeling come up. But now I change because uh, I have a good life with my husband, he's American. And my husband, he's supposed to come to America. Uh, we got paper already. He take care of me very good and he do love me and he really want me go to school. And he help me have a license. I don't want success on anymore. Lòng mẹ bảo
8: it's a song that I think really strikes to the heart of all Vietnamese. The opening line is, mother's love is as wide as the Pacific Ocean. It was very popular in South Vietnam. Here it's sung by a singer named Thanh Thuy, who now lives in um, San Fernando Valley. I'm Jason Gibbs, librarian at the San Francisco Public Library.
6: My name is Adelaida Reyes. I have written a book about music of the Vietnamese refugee experience. After the fall of Saigon in 1975, there were rules about what songs may or may not be sung. And many of the songs that were forbidden were precisely the sad songs and the love songs. These songs contain a lot of historical, personal truths. Over the 100 years that they had been at war, there is hardly
8: a family that has not suffered the loss of a member. Thousands of Vietnamese left the country to to live in countries all over the world. And they bring this music with them. It holds together their memory of a time and a place that they still long for. A time and a place that can never come back.
13: Take the ribbon from my hair. Take it loose and lay fall lay some mud your skin Like the saddle on the wall Come and lay down by my side Till the early morning light All I'm taking is your time Help me make it to the night
6: the happiness da red
10: the Buddha that we keep in the shop is for uh, lucky Buddha bringing business and come in the outer you know we have a Buddha inside it's keep the shop in a uh, peaceful safety you know every day we'll give him uh, new water sometime coffee
11: candies, any kind, and we change it every day. And once a while we uh, give him a
10: cigarette. So sometimes we line up the cigarette and give it to him. So we want to make sure he's happy. The second day of the month, we give a Buddha, you know, like uh, more fruit on the lunar, uh, because that is a once a month a special day, like the payday. <laughs> because Buddha bring us so much business, we give Buddha chicken or duck or roast pork barbecue, bun, but enough, we eat the food. (laughs) Buddha enjoy it.
14: My name is Janet Dang. I work for Asian Week newspaper. Hard numbers aren't available, but according to Nails Magazine, they peg the manicure market at $6.5 billion a year. And Half of the market is comprised of the Vietnamese-American salon owners, technicians, or manicurists.
11: What do you need,
13: Jane?
11: Okay.
14: This job, I like it. like to communicate with people, but just temporary right now. i allergic to the chemical polish remover. I'm studying uh, MA, medical assistant,
10: right now. My name is Helen. I don't have experience to work in the office. Uh, You know, with my age, nobody hired me because um, now I am 55 years already. At least I must have uh, one uh, professional uh, job. uh, So um, um, I hear in the United States, you know, the nail is easy for the people, you know.
8: It's sore, be careful. Okay. So they're a mess.
10: Sometimes the client very, very fussy. They give you hard time. Their nails are in a bad condition. Sometimes you even don't want to give the service. You will feel very stressed. I don't want to be touched. You pick up their attitude. I mean, their bad mood give it to you. Even you get the job done, but it's a lousy.
0: They are American. They really care for their nail. Always 12 months, it's 12 holiday. You know, Mother Day, Father Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year. You know, Valentine Day, birthday, July 4, whatever. Just big time party, party, updo, manicure, pedicure, money time. My name is Nhung Tran, and uh, I live in San Jose. I'm from Vietnam with my whole family. Saigon is our city. I grew up on there. It's very busy. People, you know, do the business on the street selling a little stuff. Flour, ice cream and noodle. They just say out loud what they sell and people can negotiate, you know. just like the flea market. Everything happens on the street. All the door wide open. Over here, different. Every door closed. People just live by themselves, you know. It's so quiet over here. At first it's really hard, but I adapt with the environment now. I used to work at IBM before, but I got laid off, so here I am. I study cosmetology. I work so hard and I play very hard too go to the club every weekend and sing karaoke with friends have a good time. My boyfriend is a good uh, singer. He can play the guitar very well. He's um, our personator. He's Spanish. He good. His name is Jesse Nava. I love you, baby. In Vietnamese club, they play both Vietnamese and American. I really like French music, but the music I like the most is rock and roll.
8: Can you speak slowly?
9: Good
13: afternoon, everybody. I'm MC for the group of A students um, Right today.
8: Right now, there's about 18 manicure students. Today, we're going to graduate seven or eight of them. Uh, they're 99% Vietnamese. We're at the Hayward Nail Care Center. My name is Alan Cox. I'm the director of the school. My father started this business in 1958. At that time, manicuring was not a trendy thing like it is now. Here's what it used to be. When we had a few manicurists, it was Madge and Jane, you know, the the blondes. Madge and Jane are pretty much gone these students go everywhere they go to Chicago they go to Detroit they go to down south they go to Texas they go they go everywhere to Vietnamese communities because a lot of these students are brand new to America and all of a sudden 10 weeks and they can they can get a license and they can be in a job market
13: and now uh, we have a special guest welcome Mrs. new congratulations to the student and um, I uh, would like they will become uh, the good manicurist uh, in the future. Thank you. I hope in the future I have a little business in American manicuring over here, face over here, and pedicure over here. But I hope one day if you have time to come to see my uh, family, and I will sing for you a good song and happy song, you know. We have a lot of fun. We sit down together, we play music, we sing. We are very happy now. Come and sit by my side, this do not help to beat me as you, So remember the Red River Valley, and a cowboy who loves you so too, and a cowboy who loves you so too, and a cowboy who loves you so too.
4: The Kitchen Sisters are Nikki Silva and Davia Nelson. They produce the stories we heard today, along with Laura Folger, Nathan Dalton, Brandi Howell, Lita Hartman, and Jay Allison. Audio mix by Jim McKee. You can hear more of their work on their podcast. Search for The Kitchen Sisters Present in your podcast app. And we've also got a link in the show notes. This is Love is created by Lauren Spore and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Susanna Robertson is our producer. Engineering by Russ Henry. Audio mix by Johnny Vince Evans, Michael Raphael, and Rob Byers of Final Final V2. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. Follow us online or on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook at This Is Love Show. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is love.
5: Radiotopia.
1: not to mention Power Meal, which delivers plant-based calories from Whole Foods to help keep you both energized and feeling satisfied throughout the day. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order.
12: Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running,